This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning prop firm, Fidel Crest. Trading Night, episode 204. Now, uh, to understand why I do this, because if you were to look at like how our minds work, and it's, it's kind of part of our psychology as well, right? So like when you are less me- when you're less mechanical, you have to make more decisions. Now, what happens when you're in the market? You tend to be more emotional and your decision-making, it, it tends to go down. So when you pair these two things together, it's essentially a disaster. When you're emotional, you have to make de- decisions. And they have an inverse, inversely correlated, correlated relationship. Like what I was saying, like when your emotions are up, your ability to make decisions tends to go down. So this will have, this will affect your trading as well if you're just trading uh, 70 to 80% discretionary trading. But if, let's say you're mechanical, uh, you're emotional, but you still stick to your rules and you still uh, replicate them. The effect of your, on your trading is much lesser. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Brian Tang from Singapore on the show. Now, Brian, he was mentioned last week with our interview with Elise Amores. He is he came third in one of the competitions she ran where she set some criteria around giving out funded accounts, and they were really, really strict criteria. So you, you had to do more than what you'd normally do on a funded account challenge. Uh, Brian came third in one of these competitions, won the funded account, and now he's in the process of getting to the point of being funded. But I got him on because I, I thought his story was quite interesting. Uh, he's very committed. He's a smart money concepts trader, but he has sort of done the, well, not sort of, he has done the maths on smart money concepts in a way that I think is going to be quite useful for a lot of people. Uh, he's managed to increase the win rate and do something that's a bit more convenient for his emotional state when trading. So you're going to, if you're a smart money trader, even if you're not, you're going to learn something from this interview. Uh, he also did Raja Banks's course and found that he became profitable after that. And you're going to find out how and why and how that happened in the show. And if you are re- if you do resonate with what Brian is talking about, especially around the emotional side of things, and you're looking to uh, get rid of some emotions from your trading, either all of them or some of them, then have a look at my Robot Builders Club. I teach you how to do it without having to learn how to code. Uh, there's no coding at all. It's all just drag and drop interface. Uh, if it's a little bit too much for you to start off with, take my free training, do that first, then check it out. And if you are ready to join, there is a coupon code that you can hit me up for in the chat on the Robot Builders Club page. So go and check that out when you get a second. All right, folks, enough from me. Let's hear from my sponsor and get on with the interview. Oh, and before we do, I should say uh, we did shoot a video, which is really, really good, and walks through exactly how Brian takes these trades and how he breaks down the price chart using his SMC stuff and all the other things that he talks about in today's show. So once again, let's hear from my sponsor and get on with it. 
Padel Crest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to $2 million and offers generous profit splits up to 90%. So what sets Fidel Crest apart? Well, it's their verification stage payouts of up to 30 k in as little as 15 days. So you can receive your first payout prior to becoming a fully funded trader. Just complete the challenge phase and verification stage without violating any rules to receive your first payout. And be sure to use promo code TRADINGNUT, all one word, to get 10% off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. Righty ho folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Brian Tang in the house. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hello, good morning, good morning. Over, Singapore. All the way over there in Singapore, yes, yes, in Singapore. Yes. So we haven't had a Singapore trader on for uh, a long time, so I'm, I'm glad to get you on. And I know you're at the sort of early stages of your journey, but you have done enough to get yourself a role in a prop firm, a, a fund, a hedge fund. So your stats are, uh, have done enough to get you in a hedge fund. Um, we're going to hear a bit about your story today, how, how you got to where you are, and learn some lessons along the way, which I know a lot of guys are, are going to be finding really useful. So to start off, do you want to talk about how you got into trading and where you started? Okay, so uh, there's nothing really special about how I got into trading. Like Just like everyone else, I was uh, attracted to the concept of quick money, right? So I was... Okay, this was back in the summer of 2019. I was like scrolling Instagram randomly and then I saw this guy. And you'll be surprised. He was giving out uh, signals. And then I clicked on it. I was wondering like what they, what, what this was. And then he was like giving out uh, Euro, Euro dollar signals. And I remember winning a couple thousand dollars just based on a $200 account. And I was like, this is, this is something, isn't it? Because I remember back then I was like doing jobs at like banquets i was like being a waiter like you know lifting the plates for like seven an hour yeah and then that two thousand dollars uh, it just became so surreal to me and then uh you'll be surprised in about two months i lost it all i'm not and surprised then, uh... <laughs> <laughs> go and tell us how okay. you did that okay uh so i was like looking at euro dollar hour and, and then uh, there was this joker uh, on Baby Pips. He was talking about uh, Martingale strategy. It's basically uh, how it works is uh, when you lose a percent, you double down on risk. And I was so drawn into that without knowing like how it really works. So in like, I think 10 to 20, 20 trades on goal, yeah, you must be goal. <laughs> I lost it all. And then uh, fast forward to a few months later, I blew like one or two more accounts, but that wasn't too much. And then it was at about the end of, uh, I would say in July or August of 2020, where I wanted to be serious. Like, I was like, okay, I, I can make money from this. Like, I, I have to stop doing stupid shit. And because I was a student back then, and I mean, I did have savings, but it was getting low big from like blowing this account. From that point, I wanted to get serious. So I looked around, I opened up YouTube, and then I looked up... Uh, there's like forex traders and everything else and then i stumbled upon this guy oh this was the first ever course that i, I bought but it wasn't the last so there was this guy uh, based in the uk called rocks uh rock zfx and then i watched a couple of videos of his he was quite uh, logical I, I see i saw that he wasn't trying to like sell any signals or uh, any fluff with that and then i bought the course i studied it religiously for about 30 days and then i I didn't really backtest it because I don't, I, I'm not, I'm a person that don't really believe in backtesting. I believe that uh, backtesting is only 
viable for the first stage of your strategy. Like for about, like, uh, okay, because I read this book called Trading the Zone by Mark Nagelas. He stated that a uh, sample size of uh, 20 to 25 trades is enough for you to determine whether a uh, trade, trade strategy is viable or not. I feel that backtesting is only viable uh, beyond the stage. So like once you reach that sufficient sample size, it's uh, more logical for you to go to the live account. So based on this logic, I quickly started a live account and I was quite profitable for about one to two months using just like basic support resistance, nothing really fancy. What was it? Now, the what were you using? The, Sorry, you were using? Uh, support resistance. Oh, okay. Like nothing really fancy, like your usual stuff. I was like looking at the four hour, looking at the one hour, looking at the 15 minutes. And that was doing the London Open. And I did that uh, for about two to three months. And I was really doing well. And I, it was, it was quite funny. I was only a year and a half or yeah, less than two years, you know. And I was like very, really, really confident. And I was like ready to go for funding. And then, uh, once uh, 2021 hit, yeah, that year was hard for me. The first three or four months itself, I lost like 20% of the account. And then I was like, uh, something isn't right. I, I have to do a review about this. And then there, there was when I looked at my strategy and everything, and I realized that uh, there's something off with this. It's not that the strategy is wrong, but perhaps it is a problem with myself. And I'm not really uh, too suited for this. And then by being very logical, I looked online, I looked at a few more courses. And then I stumbled upon this guy called uh, Roger Banks. Uh, Wigs don't lie. I'm sure you have heard about him. Yes, he's been and on then, the show, yes. Uh, yes. And then I bought his course as well. I've been in there for about two, three months. And then, oh, okay. Here's the fun fact. I, for, uh, for now, I personally do not trade a strategy. But after his course, it made me profitable. Now, the thing is, yeah, that's very interesting, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he trades uh, a price action as well, very similar to the first guy, uh, just simple price action and everything. But the way he looked at the market made me realize that uh, being consistent is very important. And being and being consistent, like, like what I uh, previously mentioned, it's, it's not just like any fancy word, like all the gurus throw it out there. Like you have to be able to uh, do it day in, day out. You have to uh, come up with a process that you're able to replicate from, I would say, start of the month to end of the month every single day no matter whether you trade or not the things that you do have to be exactly the same even your various uh, parameters and one of the key quotes that uh, Roger Bank used to say was uh, one to two trades a day one to two percent breaks a day that's one thing that I still stick to up to today now uh, fast forward to a few months uh, the strategy wasn't really working for me and then I stumbled until my last and final mentorship so uh I stumbled into uh, Smart Money con- smart, uh, money Concepts, SMC, uh, into the community called uh, Photon Trading FX. And then uh, this time around, instead of spending just one month study, I spent about two months study because I, to be honest, this, this was a, a really pivotal moment of my trading career. This was in, uh, I would say, start of the year. I was like, I was, I was really having uh, certain doubts about my career. I was like, I've been doing this for quite some time. And like other guys who have been doing this for the same amount of time, they are already profitable and everything. Like this is the point where if I really do not make it, like I'll have to do something else. Otherwise, it will, it just, it's not, it's not going to work. So I spent that two months studying and then I did a decent 
or minimum amount of backtesting. And then I did this thing called uh, daily markups. Uh, that's by recommended in the course itself. By the modified version of it, basically you do your market analysis every morning uh, before London open, and then you store it in uh, Notion, and then you do that for about 30 days. And then uh, within that 30 days itself, you try to seek and recognize patterns that you can see in the market just by looking like, at what happened every single day at the same time. And then afterwards, I jump into a live account. And then I've been trading the live account ever since. It's nothing big. It's like, I think $1,000. But the whole point of the live account is to adjust myself to the parameters of the, of the uh, prop firm. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to get funded by a prop firm. So for me to be a prop firm trader, I have to get used to the risk, uh, the risk parameters. Like as you know, the, uh, trading a prop firm is different from a personal account. Uh, prop firm entails the daily drawdown of 5% and the overall drawdown about 10 to 12% depending on which uh, prop firm you decide to register yourself with. So yeah, that's the part on uh, getting getting the trading. And uh, currently, right now, I do uh, smart money concepts with a fix of my own. So yeah, I kind of like learned from all these mentors and then I kind of crafted it into my own strategy. So it's like I th- I've taken a few layers from this, 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 and now it's become mine. It's interesting because I, I, I read in your Twitter feed that you uh, you only do because I mean most smart money concept traders are in there with sometimes a lower win rate uh, than the normal below fifty percent and doing you know much higher risk to reward trades like you know sort of yes. five five R plus but you I saw in your feed you only do one to two R is that yes. right no. yeah two R trades uh, most most uh, smart money concept traders they want to kill me for this but I don't really care now the thing is the the thing about uh, smart money concepts is okay. This, this isn't really talked about. I really want to highlight this point. So, uh, how smart money concept was this? Uh, usually, they sub- they identify a certain area, usually a support resistance, and then they will uh, zoom in on the one minute time frame, and then they'll be looking for entries. Now, uh, before you see your one is the ten uh, winners that most smart money concept traders post on Twitter, they usually go through about uh, two to three losses before they get a winner. So if you look at the strike rate itself, it's about, I would say, 20 to 30%. As compared to me, I do that without refining. So I use my smart money concepts and then I identify an area which most of you call uh, support resistance. I mean, it's the same thing. I don't really care. So long as you're profitable, right? And then I just set a limit order based on the time frame without any refinements. So essentially, they are taking two to three trades for that one particular area, right? I'm only taking that one trade. So if you, work, if you were to work the math out, because I'm, I have a way bigger stop loss as compared to them, my my if my one trade does work out, it, okay, let's say I take two trades. And if one trade works out, it's a 50% win rate. But for the same two trades that I take, they may be taking six trades and they only win two out of six. So that's how the strike rate works. So if, wait, let me take a calculator. It would you would take the two out of six, that is about a thirty percent strike rate on your side, as compared to a fifty percent strike rate on the side. But essentially, we're trading the same thing. It's just that I'm not going down to the one minute for the refinement, but they are. Now I have certainly done that in the past, and I might do that in the future again. But as of now, it is a very comfortable thing for me to do with just uh, one is the two. And the reason why I picked one is the two. I mean, I ran through the numbers. I back tested every single risk to reward variation. And one is the two is the best 
with the reward suited for my personality because I don't do well in drawdown. So by minimizing drawdown, I tend to do better. Now some may tend to ask me why why you don't want to go for one is the three. Now if you were to look at the the law of big numbers, the risk to reward is correlated to your drawdown as well as a strike rate. So I feel that uh, one is the two is the right spot for that like, at the current moment. Now I've tried uh, one is the one in the past as well and it just doesn't work for me because uh, with one is the one, you have to be very sharp uh, based on your trading while one is the two gives you a bit more room for like errors that you make once in a while. Like let's say for one is the one, right? Uh, on Monday, you are not really so sharp and then you take a loss on uh, London Open or something. And then on Tuesday, you come back, you take a loss that is part of the plan. So now you're already down 2R. And then on Wednesday, you take a winner. That is 1R. That, but overall, you're still down 1R because of the mistake that you made on Monday. But if, let's say we were look at to, if we were to look at uh, 1 as to 2, uh, the same thing happened. On Monday, you took a 1R loss. And then on Tuesday... You took a one hour loss that is part of your plan, but on Wednesday you quickly make a winner because of the risk to reward. You're now at break even, and that is uh, much easier for me to deal with as a trader as compared to uh, having to deal with uh, drawdown as well. Mm. So yeah, that's the part about uh, my risk to reward. Yeah, which is quite surprising, right? For uh, smart money concepts. Yeah. Like given the, like like you know how it goes. Like you see people on Twitter or even Instagram, the they constantly post about the uh, one is the twenty, one is the forty. Yeah, I mean, do, and do you like look back at your trades uh, at the end of the week, for example, and go, "Well, that one did go one is one to five or one to ten or whatever it is." And how do you feel about oh. that? Oh, I do look at my charts uh, at the end of every day. I do. I have this uh, thing called daily recap, which I do it at the end of every New York session. Now, I mean, that happens. Uh, I mean, obviously, you will see a trade run to 1 is to 10, 1 is to 15. You will obviously look at it and be like, oh, wow, I could have catch that. But the opposite could have happened as well. The trade could have run like Tokyo and everything else. So, yeah, you have you have to constantly remind yourself of the flips of that. And because I am, uh, okay, uh, there is a scalper here, right? And there's a day trader. So, I'm like in the middle. I like to hold trades for about two to three hours. So, yeah, I like to be in and out of the market quick. I like to be, I like to like be very focused uh, in a part of the day, and then I just get it over and done with. I don't like to spend too much time uh, dwelling in the markets. So yeah, I I'm glad that I'm in a stage of the market where I don't really care what it does. Like I've already like done my job. Let's say like the market is tanks, right? I just need to capture this specific part of the market, and, and I'm happy. I'm done for the day because like capturing the whole move itself is is not me. Because I know that uh, at the end of the day, I'll be here in, in the in charts again tomorrow, and I can do the same thing easily. And, so, when yeah. you, and when you're doing the uh, the multi time frame analysis, what time frames are you focusing on? Now the okay, this is quite ironic for uh, day traders less scalper, but I spend quite a great deal of time looking at the the daily time frame because I feel that the daily time frame is where I can get my bias from, and establishing my bias is the most important thing in my trading because without a bias, you don't have a direction. Without a direction, it's very hard for you to pinpoint where the market is trying to go. And then it is very hard for you to come up with trading ideas. I mean, yes, uh, as traders, we're supposed to uh, react, we're supposed to anticipate and wait for things to happen. But based on the clues that you can see in the market at the moment, uh, based on the charts, you can to make a reasonable guess on where the market is going like based on statistics. 
I mean, like, let me give you an, an example. If you, you were to look at the daily time frame and the past few candles has been bullish, it is a very uh, logical answer to say that uh, for the next day, the market is going to be bullish as well, right? Exactly. So that's what I primarily do on the daily time frame. And that's where I spend the most amount of time and the four hours time frame as well. But uh, I'll show you later why I spend most of the time on the daily time frame. Mm. And I suppose the thing is, like, even a, you know, even as you, you say, the last few days have been bullish. The next one may be a bullish day, but it might not close bullish. So it might you might get your move, and then it and then it turns and it, it turns into a bear. Um, but you're still right to go with the bull on that day. Now um, you did. I said on your Twitter you did do one. Uh, you've had the odd day where you've sat through eight hours of price action with no trades at all. Um, how did how do you manage that from a from a psychological mindset point of view? That you walk away okay. at the end of the eight hours and you go, no trades today. Okay, so uh, this got interesting because I was talking to my friend uh, on that particular day about it. Like, we we're talking about how uh, being a trader is not too different from being a fish uh, fisherman. Now, uh, the act of trading itself, it doesn't mean that you have to place a trade. Like, you can look at a screen for a few hours and not place a trade, and you're still a trader, just like a fisherman. If, let's say, uh, the same situation happened, you stay at the river for about eight hours, and you, and you didn't have a catch today. That does, does not make you uh, not a fisherman. It's, this is, it's the same thing. That's because I sit, sit in front of the screen for eight hours and there isn't a trade. That does not make me less of a trader. Now, the reason why you think that uh, I might have some psychological uh, issues with that, I think that I have been through that in the past because uh, naturally, if you look at the screen for eight hours, uh, feelings or emotions such as uh, fear of missing out starts to kick in. And then you try to like look at it and then like like what, what could I have done? Is there any way that I can jump in? Now because of uh, my heavily uh tested and proven plan, I know that if I were to get into uh areas that does not really fit my plan, I know that uh it will ruin my uh profits. And because I am a very uh goal uh driven person, I know that by doing this, this will happen. So if price does not come back to me, there's no reason for me to trade. And I don't really feel uh, anything bad about that because that is just uh, the app and flow of the market. If it moves, it moves. If it doesn't come back to me, I'm fine with it. I've really uh, made peace with it. And, then, and now you mentioned, you know, you talked earlier on about placing limit orders. So that's your entry point. Yes. Now, I know full well that limit orders sometimes don't quite get hit. You might miss it by half a pip. Um, something as small as that, or you've got to, and then you've got to make that decision as to when to delete the limit order. It's no longer valid. So, how do you how do you manage those two elements? Oh yeah, uh, when I was back when I was trading on the one minute, yeah, that happened a lot of times. So I set my limit order, and then like price would just hit a uh, miss it by. I, I remember the lowest it ever missed. It was exactly zero point one pips. And I remember uh, just freezing the moment. I was just looking at it like, okay, what do I do now? Now, I've come up with a very uh, specific way of dealing with it. If, let's say, uh, price misses the, the limit order, right, I'll just leave it. Like, there will be a trade entry that I'll just, I'll, I'll just leave it. I'll just say that, I'll just type it in my journal that I missed it. And then I'll look at price on the uh, higher time frames. 
and then if price leaves the 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 support support resistance that I marked earlier, if it leaves it for a sufficient amount of time, for let's say twenty to thirty pips, that trade idea is no longer valid, and then I'll be looking for a well further pullback later because I'm a continuation trader. Okay, and so but you never there's no you haven't put a rule in that like if it does miss it by let's say one pip that you try and get into that move you just don't get into it that's it you're done yes i just don't get to it okay like yeah. that, that's the best way to do it because yeah. like you think about it if you were to look at how you can get how you can get it you'll be you'll be very messy it's very uh it's just not very mechanical because i've already set in place like certain set of rules just to enter at this particular price and if it doesn't enter at this price by doing that it's, it's not really much i mean yeah some can argue that you can just uh, enter anywhere around the area but by doing that you are triggering a series of actions that you might unfold yourself like for example you'll be like okay uh if if price uh, means this is price going to hit at a uh, fill me out at a higher price or higher price or should i wait for price to go higher or lower and then uh, by doing this set of things you might eventually uh, over risk and then even lose the trade setup itself like these are the, these are certain things that has happened in the past that has uh, allow me to come to this decision that price either fills me up or not. And because uh, that has happened to me uh, way too much in the past, I have also made it a very uh, generous decision for my uh, area of trading to be very big. So let's say we need a, a very big area of support resistance, or just market at the entry. So it becomes easier for price to uh, fill me in as compared to worrying about problems like uh, me not getting into a trade. So what what markets do you trade? Oh, okay. This is this is very very important. Now I only trade uh, euro dollar, just one pair only. I do not trade anything else. And that has the thing. That is one of the things that uh, benefited by trading the most. Okay, um, for about the first one and a half years of my trading, I was looking at five pair. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I was looking at GBP JPY. Uh, GBP USD, uh, Euro dollar, and then I was even looking at gold, and then uh, I was looking at this odd pair which I traded for quite a while. Uh, is the Swiss yen. Now the problem with looking at uh, all these pairs, right? I mean, yeah, it does work. You can just trade one pattern on every single pair, but the thing is, you're not able to focus on what is happening in the market at a, every single day as compared to trading one pair. For now, uh, if you if you were to just trade only uh, Euro dollar, right? you're able to look at it every single day and then eventually you are able to spot some patterns that happen on a daily basis. And then you can even look at how uh, the market changes on a weekly cycle. Like for example, on Euro dollar, there tends to be a, I I wouldn't call it a reversal. I would call it a retracement. But yeah, on Wednesdays or Thursdays, there's usually a retracement. And on Monday to Wednesday, that is usually when the initial push happens. So yeah, if you are just trading like five pairs, you're not really able to uh, tell uh, all these sort of things. This uh, sort of patterns or how the market moves, you can only tell like how it really works by looking at just one pair every single day. So that's the advantage of just trading one pair. And do you think you'll expand that like later on in your career? Or have you got no, plans for I, Just happy to stick yes. with, yeah? Okay. I'm I'm very very happy to just stay at one pair. Yeah, and and what about because uh, what the reason I asked that question was around 
whether or not you think missing, say for example, you, your limit order misses uh, a good trade, but then gets the next one, which was a loss, and then misses the next one, which was a good trade, gets the next one, was a loss. Have you ever had that scenario, or is this something that ever crossed your mind around, you know, the the limit order trading not being able to fulfill what the the opportunities that come your way for your strategy? Yes, that has happened to me quite uh, frequently in the past. But like uh, what I mentioned previously, because now I enter with quite uh, a generous, like a space of uh, area of value, right? So the probability of that happening is quite low. Like the probability of uh, price missing me out on a winner is still quite high. But yeah. if we were to put the situation where price uh, missed me out here and then like, Means me out here, and then it kills me out on a loser. That is quite rare of a situation. I mean, it still can happen, but based on the past two to three months of live trading, that hasn't happened for me so far. Mm, mm. Yeah, because I suppose it, it can. I mean, it's yeah, it's a fifty-fifty in terms of you get the you get the benefits of focusing on one market, but then you only get the opportunities of that market, which is a trade-off. And I suppose you got to do what works. Now, um, what about uh, your win rate on EU? Currently, uh, okay, it depends on the week. On uh, better weeks, it's about 70%. And it can go up to about, I think, 75%. But the average of what I get for most of the weeks is about 60 or 65%. And taking taking yourself back to like when you sort of got, got to your, done your final course, you're implementing it, and you've got your new process, you're focusing on the one market, that transition between like... Not, you know, I think you said you had a 20% drawdown at one point, and then now you're sort of consistently being able to grow it. Did you, was there a point where you were like, like, I think I've got it? Was there like an aha moment? Or did it just sort of naturally happen and you're like, oh, damn, I'm actually turning this account over? Yeah, I feel that uh, there wasn't really a aha moment. Like, I just tell myself, like, I have to keep going. Like, I really went so far. The it's naturally easier for me to just move forward. Like, if you were to look backwards, there's they just really, uh, I already spent a lot of time in this, so I just keep telling myself, just take it one day at a time, and then eventually you get far. And, and you've talked about the fact that you know, you've one of the keys to your success was moving from probably more of a uh, discretionary kind of trading style to a more, a very mechanical trading style. Yes. Um, albeit with like some minor, minor bits of discretion in there. What what uh, what helps you stick to this mechanical style so that you don't make mistakes? Now, uh, to understand why I do this, because if you were to look at like how our minds work, and it's, it's kind of part of our psychology as well, right? So like when you are less, me- when you're less mechanical, you have to make more decisions. Now, what happens when you're in a market? You tend to be more emotional and your decision-making, it, it tends to go down. So when you pair these two things together, it's essentially a disaster. When you're emotional, you have to make de- decisions and they have an inverse, inversely correlated, correlated relationship. Like what I was saying, like when your emotions are up, your ability to make decisions tends to go down. So this will happen. This will affect your trading as well. If you're just trading uh, 70 to 80% discretionary trading. But if, let's say you're mechanical, uh, you're emotional, but you still stick to your rules and you still uh, replicate them. The effect of your, on your trading is uh, much 
lesser. And that has been, okay, this is very hard for many viewers to understand, but for, for those like more experienced traders out there, you, you will know what I'm talking about. Like you have to, this is something that you have to experience it firsthand before you can understand what is going on, which is why even if let's say you are a highly discussion trader, you will have to go through just like a maximum of two to three trades a day because taking a trade itself, regardless of a win or loss, it is an emotional decision. When you make this uh, decision, your your decision-making uh, ability is affected by the emotions that you are experiencing in the market. Now, if you tell me that you don't have any emotions or you suppress them, I mean, yeah, you can do that for the short term, but uh, over a certain period of time, it is very uh, unsustainable. And then eventually you hit a point whereby all the emotions will just, will just come at you at one go at a certain point in the market. Like, for example, you are a uh, very, very discretionary trader and then you just had a, like, you had a, you had a good run for about two to three weeks, right? And then up to this certain point uh, in a market, uh, on let's say FOMC, and then uh, that particular day, you forget to put your stops to break even uh, before the FOMC event. And then it just took you out. And then eventually, it went back to your price. And then it hit take profit. And then because of this event, it caused you to be rather emotional. And then the next day, you'll be thinking to yourself, okay, what if I don't use a stop loss? Mm-hmm. Like I just use an imaginary stop loss. And then uh, I just like control what happens. And then the next day, shit happens. You put on the trade. You you set your imaginary stop loss here. Basically, you tell yourself you want to get out here. And then price comes back to your price. And it just continues, continues, continues. And then because of the pre-existing thought of the FOMC event that happened on the day before, we keep telling ourselves, okay, this is my recover, this is my recover, this is my recover. And then this uh, daily cycle will just happen over and over again. It's part of a... Uh, boom and bust cycle which I really want to avoid because I have been in, in this situation like in the past so because of these uh, lessons or rather uh, emotional I wouldn't say it is uh... okay I'll just coin it as an emotional event because uh, when our brain like when, when something when an emotional event happens to our brain we tend to uh, remember it and it's more significant in our memory, which is why it's kind of like a compelling uh, reason for me to like stick to my plan because I know that if I were to not follow my plan, I am exposing and I'm vulnerable to these uh, problems that, okay, okay it's, not, it's not the market, it's me. Yeah. What I'm scared of is myself. So all these uh, sort of things is to prevent myself from descending to the chaos of the problems that I will face if I do not uh, become more uh, mechanical. And, and what are the, what's your, what, what is the, how does the plan sort of manifest itself? Is it just all in your head or have you got a checklist or is, do you write things down no, no, no. as they're coming up? How does it look? No, it, it can't be all in, all in my head because uh, as a trader, you're so overwhelmed. Right? And if you just all in your head, right, it, it really will, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I have a sort of a checklist and what I primarily what I primarily have is uh, my trading plan notion, and I also have a physical book where I have a flow chart. It's literally a flow chart. So it's like if X happens, then Y happens. It's kind of like an arrow, 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 arrow. And then if this happens, okay, let's say this is partic- particular situation happens, right? And then there are a few possibilities for it. I accounted for every single possibility. So if let's say I were to face with a certain situation in the market, 
I, I don't really have to uh, depend on my memory. I just open up the book and I just look at it. Okay, this happened, so this will happen. So yeah, that is basically what I do. And I've gotten to the point whereby I don't even need to refer to my book or training plan anymore. Like it just comes to me. Yeah. It's really like uh, subconsciously registered in my mind that if this happens, this will happen. It's very simple. There's no uh, arguing about this because the market won't lie to you. The price doesn't lie to you. If the candle has been printed, is there. There's no uh, nuance about it. There's no like arguing about it. Like, this isn't art. This isn't anything. This is the markets. Okay, that makes it. And, and, but back in the day, did you... Did you have to sort of religiously maybe tick off things in your flowchart? Yes, that's happened. Tick. Or was it like, yep, I can say that's happened. Did you ever get lost yes. as to where in the flowchart you were? Anything like that? No. The, I mean, well, the flowchart is very specific. It's not that uh, long-winded. I keep it very uh, simple and concise. So I, I don't try to – I don't allow myself to get lost in that. Uh, okay, before this, the whole idea of the flowchart happened, I used to have a trading checklist. Okay, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, trader called Tom Dante. Yeah, yes, he was yes. he was a very famous prop trader. So I was looking through his Twitter and he had this thing called, it's kind of like a piece of paper where you write down your expectations and everything for the day. And then I had that similar idea. Okay, what if I were to have a trading checklist for every single trade? And then I would say at the start of the year or around February or March, I literally had a piece of paper and then I write down a series of criteria that had to happen before I took a trade. So yeah, that was what started the whole idea of the flowchart. Like before that, it wasn't a flowchart. Before that, it was a a certain series of criteria that I have to take every single one of them before I can put on the trade. And then eventually, I realized that it works, but it can be better. Like I can do something more uh, specific. Was why the idea of the flowchart came up, and it's a really very a systematic way of thinking and also and apart from doing this for my trading i also do this for my journaling like i write out a series of things and then i try to like point to myself like what can i do what is the best action i can take from here and everything else so yeah and how do you do your journaling what is that what's that what format does that take okay uh my my trading journal itself right is on uh, notion it's basically just uh, for the a copy paste of trading view like the picture of the trade all the time frames and then I just type the information what time did I enter how long was it etc etc and then I have this section of on uh, psychology uh, is there any emotions that I felt uh, during the trade that was uh, something for me to notice like for example uh, when I was putting on this particular trade like when I was putting on the the order for this particular trade yesterday, I felt a bit of uh, hesitancy, which I do not usually feel when I put on a limit order. I mean, it is very rare for you to feel emotions for for something when you're placing an order that is not even a market order. So yeah, that was uh, off to me. So I noted that in my journal. And then eventually I made a discretionary decision to uh, remove the order from the market. And that eventually saved me a loss. Now, that is not just a, a very random uh, thing that I do or because, oh, this happened, then I just removed the order. That is not just it. This was because of uh, my trading journal. Because in the past, I've experienced this as well. When I was putting on a trade, I noticed feelings of uh, hesitancy and I, I was just feeling very doubtful, which is quite rare. 
And that has been a pattern with uh, some of the losses as well. So by observing these patterns in my trading journal, I can now apply that to my future trades by looking at, at a trade. And then you think about, is there any uh, emotion that you are feeling right now? Okay, <clears throat> you're not to run away from the emotion, but you have to like understand your emotion because you have to understand that uh, your mind uh, works in a very uh, odd way. More often than not, it's trying to help you. And by understanding your emotions and your psychology, right, you're kind of like finding a bridge, uh, kind of like building a pathway for you to like listen to your subconscious mind. Like, you remember me talking about how I was feeling uncomfortable, like doubtful. So yeah, I would just coin it as like a gut feeling. But mm-hmm. there, there was, the gut feeling itself, right, it was built on uh, experiences that I had in the market. And because I have like journaled it, I have tried to kind of look into the insights of it. It's now, I have now uh, established a, a neural path for that to happen. And then, it's it just easy for me to make that connection in my mind, for me to make a certain decision. So yeah, I would say, uh, if you are a very lazy trader, which uh, you're not supposed to be, <laughs> you want to get uh, successful in the market. But the most important thing I will have to share with you is to note the emotions that you're feeling when you're taking a certain trade. So let's say you're really lazy, right? When you put on a trade and then you, you feel certain emotions, just take your notebook, write the time and date of the trade, and then you write down what you're uh, experiencing right now. Because looking back at it uh, a few months later, it's going to do a lot for your trading because these are the patterns that you have in your own trade. I mean, sure, analyzing the markets is important. Like Finding the pattern uh, is important, but... More importantly, you have to like look at yourself, look at your trading, and then like find the patterns in your trading, and then like look at what's really wrong and what works and what doesn't work for you. Now, what what about your typical trading day, and do you have any sort of like I suppose mindset kind of routines that you go through before you step into the front of the chart? Okay, so there there is a certain list of uh, things that I have to do. Okay, because I have a to do list, right, and. I have to do this certain set of things before I am allowed to even open the charts. First thing I have to do is to uh, meditate in the morning. And then most of the time, I have to get a workout in. And then I have to get very, very, very hydrated. Now, in terms of mindset, uh, it isn't much after the meditation because when you are meditating, right, it is not just about like, breathing exercise or whatever. The whole uh, concept of meditation is to allow yourself to be more present. So when you're present, like you are able to make uh, better decisions in the market. And one of the, the mindsets that I really uh, think about is thinking like a stoic. So when you're putting on a trade, you immediately think about uh, it going to take profit. And then you immediately think about it going to stop loss. So you like kind of imagine both sides of the event. By doing this, you are conditioning your mind to both the loss and the win. And then eventually, I wouldn't say you're numb to the feeling, but you kind of treat it like a business. It's, it's really like a probability thing. You tell yourself that mathematically speaking, based on your strike rate, there is, let's say, a 50, 50 or 60% chance that price will hit a profit. And then there's a 40 to 50% chance that it will hit your stop loss. So yes, you really have to uh, look at it. Now, I would call this uh, visualization. Visualization is completely different from uh, imagination because uh, when you are imagining, you are in the future and it's full of fantasy. But visualizing, you are 
you're looking at what, what can happen now and then. So yes, there's a difference between now and the future as well. I mean, there's also the past, which I don't really talk about. But yes, the the whole idea of the mindset, right, is to stay present. Like you really have to be present. And then it has been, uh, to be honest with you, increasingly hard in this day and day with uh, things like social media and everything else. Like you, you scroll through TikTok videos for like 15 seconds and then the next thing comes up and that your attention span is just really short. So it is really, really very important for you to be able to stay focused and stay present. Because once you condition your mind to this, during your trading session, you are able to make decisions based on the present and not like dwell on the past or anything else. Like based on what you are seeing. Like what I've said previously, the charts don't lie. Once the candle is there, it's there. It doesn't change. I, I still remember this uh, incident where there was a certain news event and then I was like looking at the chat, I was like, is this candle even real? Like, is there any chance that uh, this candle has been uh, replicated or anything else? And that was quite funny. But but that was very, very early on in my trading. Right. It was just so, it's such an odd candle that you just were like, what yeah, is I was that? like, is this even real? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um. What about uh? So you, the meditation that you do, is there any specific thing that you follow to do the meditation? Ah uh, yes. Uh, it is a free app that I can uh recommend to our viewers. It's called uh Insight Timer. Oh, okay. Right. Interesting. We'll get, we'll get a link to that in the show notes. Um. Now uh, we're going to jump into the quick fire round here. So to start off with, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Uh. Two years. What's your favorite entry setup? You mean others? What? Uh, continuation strategy, uh, continuation setups. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? I do this thing called uh, set and forget. So let's say once again, uh, set into a trade, I put my alert on the stop loss and then I put another alert on the TP and I just close the screen. That's the best thing that I can do. I mean, some traders, like, I would say it's some only. They look at the trades. They can just look at the trade playing out, but that's not me. I prefer to just set my limit orders and then I just do something else. Uh, what are you, uh, do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to recommend books that like a lot of traders like hear about. I'm not going to recommend your typical book like your uh, trading the zone, uh, bulletproof trader. I, I want to recommend this book that is, okay, it's quite common, but it's not as popular as uh, trading in the zone and everything is uh, one good trade by uh, SMB Capital. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I think I've, really, I've really heard of book. them before. Um, worthwhile checking it out. Now, um, what about your preferred broker and trading platform? Uh, IC Markets. I, I like them because they are very reputable and the customer service is very, very good. I mean, I have no affiliations with them, but the withdrawals are usually uh, processed in less than a day if you were to do it before a certain timing yeah hey folks ever wonder what broker i use well i use hanko trade it was a no-brainer because i was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage now by joining hanko trade i've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just one dollar per 100k you can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link i've put in the description and are you metatrader or C trader? uh mt5 mt5 um do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade Oh, my worst ever trade uh, was two years back in 2020. I remember it was Trump getting COVID. And that was like 12.30 midnight New York timing. And then back then, I wasn't really trading with much of a stop loss. So it was a GBP CAD trade. 
So on a, I think six seven thousand dollars account, I took I think a two thousand dollars loss because of that particular announcement, and that was the point where I knew I have to use a stop loss. Okay, is you know it's quite weird that uh, you have to learn as a trader that you have to use a stop loss, and then you you, you just don't listen to the advice. That was the one emotional event right. that eventually yeah. stuck in my mind where I I know I have to use a stop loss. Like, this isn't going to happen to me ever and ever again. Yeah, yeah. You but can't. Quite, you can, you uh, don't know when the president's going to get uh, COVID. Exactly. I mean, it's, and it's it's crazy, man. Can't but predict I'm, it. I'm really like grateful for the lesson because uh, it happened on a seven thousand dollar account and not a seven million dollar account. <laughs> now, what about like, you know what, I mean? what about um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice? What would it be? Now, the one piece of advice is just three small bits: uh, being very mechanical, being consistent. And find a trading setup that you can uh, is easily uh, replicable day in and out. Uh, you have to look at it, and it has to look uh, exactly the same, or it has to have elements that present the same thing to you. By by doing this, right, I I wouldn't guarantee you, but if you were to do this consistently for six months, right, you will be profitable. If you're not profitable, then maybe you're doing something else wrongly. Brilliant. Well, look, um, we're going to jump in and have a look at a price chart and see what you can do in a minute. But uh, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Now, uh, you can just drop me a DM on Twitter at uh, my username, uh, S-O-B-E-R-A-R-Y-A-N. Brilliant. Well, look, guys, if you uh, want to find out more, yeah, head over to his Twitter or um, what you can do is jump into the tradingnut.com show notes. There'll be a link under the video or in the podcast description. Uh, and then search for, or you could search for Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners training happiness and success. Radio folks, there you have an interview done and dusted with Brian. Now, do remember we shot a video after the show where he breaks down what he does on a price chart. So to really understand this, and it is a very, very good video, to really understand what he does and how he gets the higher win rate uh, lower risk to reward trades, how he finds those and places them and gets in them, then go and check that video out on the Trading Nut YouTube channel or head over to Brian's page on tradingnut.com. Whilst you're over there, if you're looking to automate anything, as I mentioned at the start of the show, uh, and you don't want to learn how to code, and you just want to be able to automate what's in your mind, then uh, check out my Robot Builders Club. If it's too much for you, do the free training first over there on tradingnut.com. And whilst, when you're ready to join, there is a promo code, but you're going to have to hit me up in the chat window on the Robot Builders Club page for it. Save yourself a bit of money at checkout. All right, folks, enough from me. Have a great trading week, and we'll see you in the next episode.